Wicked Deep is not an ordinary podcast about dating. Let's Get Wicked Deep is a dating podcast where tough questions are asked and honest answers are given. It's a place to begin meaningful conversations and lasting impressions. Let's Get Wicked Deep, a healthy dating resource. Another episode of Let's Get Wicked Deep, a dating podcast. On today's show, it's just me, table for one, potty of one. Um, do not have a guest with me today, and that's totally okay. I'm feeling kind of excited in a way to just talk a little bit and to talk about something that I've been wanting to talk about, but really haven't had anyone to talk about this with, in a sense. But before I get into today's topic, um, I do want to kind of put out a couple things that I do have my second book releasing fairly soon. So I'm really excited about that. It's a follow-up to my very first book, Signs in the Rearview Mirror, Leaving a Toxic Relationship Behind. I also got asked to do uh, to be an expert on GoDates. So I'm excited about that. So check out godates.co. You can check out some of my articles that I've written for them. And then also I have answered a few questions that people have written in um, asking about dating, etc. So I'm really excited about that. So on today's episode, I want to talk about something that I don't really hear discussed very often. One thing we don't really hear much about at all is like that healthy relationship after a toxic relationship and I'm hearing about it like a little bit like more and more, you know, not super often, but um, definitely hearing about it more, which is really nice and kind of a relief that other people are discussing this. But another thing that we don't talk about very often, and I thought about this last night, was the person that was in the toxic relationship and is now going through the healing process. So, you know, since myself, what is it like going from living in a toxic relationship day in and day out to then healing and living a healthy life before dating? What is that like? What is that process like? How does it feel to go from one extreme in a sense and then move over to something completely different? So that's something I'm actually really excited to talk about today on my little show here. Um, back when, oh gosh, I was married and, um, this is in both of my books a little bit in my second one, mostly in my first one, I was, um, a toxic wife. I did the whole name calling and public humiliation and belittling and questioning and not letting him have his own life. Didn't quote unquote allow it. So it was miserable for him especially. It was also miserable for me because I didn't realize how much pain I was actually in by trying to control him and make him live his life the way I wanted him to live it. I didn't realize how horrible that was and how terrible that felt until I got into my own toxic relationship where I was then controlled. I was then name called and humiliated in public and I had all the same sort of things happening to me. So back then, when I was massively unhealthy, in both relationships, I was a little bit of a different person, but overall, I was angry, controlling. I was very jealous. I 
couldn't really do anything on my own. My codependency was massive. So when I was in my marriage and in my toxic relationship, if I got angry, I would retaliate. I didn't know how to love someone and be mad at them at the same time. For me, I felt like I had to either love this person or be super pissed at this person. I didn't know how to do both. I didn't know how to handle that. So if I was upset about something, which was usually something pretty stupid, honestly, I would take all the love I had for that person, throw it out the window and replace it with the anger. And then I would be angry and I would hold grudges and I would do you know, mean things. And every chance I had, I would throw it in their face. So more so I did this in my marriage versus my toxic relationship, my toxic relationship that was mainly done to me. So coming out of both of those situations where I was the abusive one and then I was the abused, I knew I needed to heal from so much, from so much. And then I had to live with healing. I had to actually carry it around with me and take it to the stores with me and take it with me on vacation and I slept with it and then ate breakfast with it and watched TV shows with it and really had to dig deep and work on myself so I wasn't going to be that type of person anymore. One afternoon in my therapy session, my therapist asked me, I think this is a big turning point in my life. He said to me, what kind of a woman do you want to be? Not what kind of wife, girlfriend, friend, sister, mom, neighbor, any of those things, but what kind of woman do you want to be? And that really resonated with me. And every day since then, I think about that. Every day I think about him asking me, what kind of a woman do you want to be? And that was sort of, like I said, a turning point for me, realizing that I wanted to be a different kind of a woman. I wanted to be a better woman. I wanted to be kind and caring, generous. I wanted to be welcoming and friendly and all these really great things. I no longer wanted to be the angry, codependent, controlling, out of control woman. So during my recovery program and in my therapy as well, I worked on all of that. At one point I stopped dating, worked on it, worked on myself, uncovered a lot of different things about myself and then started to turn things around. And it was scary, but I started slowly. I started turning things around obviously before dating and I did it with friends and family and neighbors and people at the store and had a whole different outlook on things after healing all the things that sort of damaged me and things I did to myself to damage myself as well. So now dating, right? So after you do all this, after you put all these pieces of the puzzle together and you figure out a lot of things and you realize who you want to be, who you don't want to be, then at some point you start dating and then you have to take all the things that you learned and bring it into that new relationship. And that's not easy So my big fear when I met someone that I really liked was, will I be able to remain this woman that I worked so hard to be? And I wasn't sure, but I felt that he was worth risking it for. And I was also worth risking it for because a lot of people get into something toxic and when they come out, they're like, I'm never doing this again. I'm never doing this again. And I didn't want to be that woman either because I want love. 
I want a dude, you know, like I want to wake up with somebody on Christmas morning. I want to laugh with somebody. I want to share my dumb stories with and watch shows with and build a life with. I want to love and care for someone, support them and build them up and do all the things you do in a relationship. But I want to do that in a healthy way. So when I met someone and I didn't know where it was going to go, I said, let's try this out. Let's just see. You know, when I met him, I did not think he was going to stay. So I was like, well, if he's not going to stay, I'm going to try this out and see how I am walking this path. And I'll tell you, like, I surprised myself with who I actually was. We started walking this path in a sense, unknowing that we were walking it together. And we had arguments and first fights and disagreements and different things like that. And I got angry with him and just mad at him and cursed him, you know, cursed him, not cursed him out, but like, you know, behind the scenes, like, ah, so I had all the emotions and I had all the things that happen in healthy relationships where we fight, you make up, you, you know, do something and you don't know that it's pissing him off and vice versa. And you have to have those crucial conversations with the person that you really like. So while I was walking this path, still not knowing if he was going to stay or go, I was able to relax a lot because I was like, let me just see how it goes. I'm not saying I didn't have any uh, anxiety with this relationship because I absolutely did. And you can read about that in my second book. But overall, I wanted to see who I was. And when we had our first fight, I surprised myself. And then when this continued and we had those conversations about dating other people and this and that, I didn't get angry. I didn't get mad. I didn't want to throw things. I didn't want to say mean things to him. Every time we do get into fights, I have never called him a name. And I don't think I ever will because I love him and I don't want him to feel that hurt of being called a name just because someone is angry. So you can tell who someone is when they're angry, how they react, how they handle different things. And I don't want to be that person that hurts him in that way. And he's not like that with me ever. So it, it's it been really nice. But now kind of walking through this and getting into this relationship more and more, I'm realizing who I am that when he does make me mad that I no longer seek attention from others. I'm not looking for that. I get mad at him and I sit on my couch and I'm just like this freaking guy and it gets under my skin, but I'm not retaliating with anything. If he's, if I'm mad at him and I know he's hungry, I will angrily order him food and send it to his house. I will not do it in a happy way. I will not do it because this, that, and the other thing. I will do it because I love him and I care about him, but I'm mad at him. So I might punch the keys on the phone a little bit hotter than usual. And I might say things like, oh, hope it doesn't spill all over your floor while I'm ordering it. But of course, he doesn't hear those things. So I have been able to love someone and care for them even when I'm angry at them. And I will show up for him and I will say to him, I am angry at you. I do not want to be here, but I'm here because I support you. And I will support him. And then once that's done, then I'll have the conversation with him. So I never thought I would be able to get to a place where I could love someone consistently 24 seven, but also be mad at them and not hurt them because that has to be the worst thing. So now he knows that even if I am so mad at him, I'm always going to take his call. 
I'm going to make sure he's okay. I'm going to be there for him because I have been able to figure out how to do both at the same time without being a doormat, which is amazing to me. And I love the fact that like now I'm in a place in my life where I'm okay on my own, where if something happens and he and I are no longer together, I will be sad AF. I will, not going to lie. I will be very sad, but I know I will be fine. And I do not have to chase him. I do not have to beg him. I do not have to put on a show so he can actually see who I am. That happens naturally. And if at some point that stops happening, then I know that I'll move on and I'll be okay. Versus years ago, where it was, even when I was dating around, when I was unhealthy dating, like calling the people, where are you going? What are you doing? What, what is this? Like, what are we? What are we going to do? When am I going to see you again? That's exhausting. And it's just exhausting to try to chase someone down and figure out how they feel about you and say, you know, I want to know how you feel about me. Tell me how you feel about me, blah, 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 all this stuff. When they're not responding to your messages, they're not trying to make plans with you. They're not trying to hang out with you because they probably have 17 other girls that they are, you know, messing with. And you're not at the top of the list. Like you're not in the queue to get a rose. So it's like, you got to be able to learn how to like be okay, not hearing back from someone and knowing, okay, I'm not hearing back from this person. If they want to see me or talk to me, they know how to get in touch with me. I'm going to go ahead and finish this book that I'm writing, or I'm going to go to the gym and work out, or I'm going to go and hang out with my friends, or I'm going to go see my family. So it's being able to maintain your own identity and your independence while you're dating. But don't let that like mislead you to being in a relationship where you lose your identity because you don't. So if you work on yourself outside of relationships, which is why it's so crucial to take time away after relationships end, you work on yourself, you get to a point where you are very independent on your own. And then when you meet someone, it'll go in you know, nicely, it'll go in smooth. But then if it doesn't work out, nothing in your life changes except for that one person. So he will leave, he'll take all his stuff with him or whatever, but then you still have your stuff going on. You still have your own career, your hobbies, your friends, your family, because none of that should change to the point where if this relationship ends, that you are completely alone and by yourself. It's okay to be in a relationship with someone and he goes on vacation with his friends. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with going on a vacation by yourself. I personally don't want to do that, but there are people who do, and there's nothing wrong with that. And if you're finding issues with that, talk it out, have a conversation about it, but don't accuse and don't, you know, make a person feel bad because they want to do something on their own. When we get into relationships and we come together with people, we all have the right to remain independent. We are not stuck at the hip with whoever we're in a relationship with or building a relationship with. It's okay for us to do things on our own. It's okay to say, hey, I'm going away for the weekend. You know, I'll keep you updated. I'll tell you where I'm going and and what's going on, but I want some time by myself. Time alone is so, so important. If we don't have time alone, And if we're not able to reconnect with ourselves, then we won't be able to care for the other person in the way they need. And that goes for both sides. 
So letting someone be who they are in their natural habitat is A, going to show you like who they really are and also let you make healthy decisions for yourself. So my point in this podcast today was to talk about how proud I am of myself that I'm showing up the way that I am in this relationship and in my own life, that I'm proud of who I have become and I've worked so hard to get to this place in my life and I wouldn't change it for anything. I don't know where any of these relationships, this relationship will go. I have no idea. Maybe it'll last, maybe it won't, but I know either way I'm going to be okay. I know I'm not going to lose my identity and I know that I'm going to keep building and writing and doing the things that I do because those things make me happy. I think one of the things I hear a lot is people will say to their um, significant others, you are my everything. You're my whole world. (sighs) I don't really like it when I hear that because I feel like that's a lot of pressure to put on someone. Like if you love someone, why the hell would you put that much pressure on them? To be someone's entire world, that's a tall order. So when you find someone that you really love or someone that you really want to be with, they should not be your entire world. Your world should consist of friends and families and, you know, different people in your life to add that responsibility, give that responsibility to a person that you say you love is a little selfish where it's, you know, you can love someone, they can be a priority. Absolutely. But to be your entire, everything is, is a tall order. And it's, it's hard for one person to not only be someone's everything, but also be what they need to be for themselves. So it's okay if your significant other is talking to his or her friends about stuff at their job. It's okay that you're not included in absolutely everything. It's okay that they want to take time on their own to re-energize or refresh. It's okay that they make some choices without you, obviously, you know, let's be realistic, nothing crazy, but it's okay that they do those things. So let the person be who they are and don't give them the responsibility of being everything to like one person because that that's a lot of pressure for one person to have. So if you love someone and you really want them to say, let them allow them, I hate these words, let allow, you know, just see who they are naturally, let them be who they want to be and be who you are. And you'll notice that when you start relaxing and you start calming down and you start letting the person just be who they are naturally, you're going to find that not not only are they happier, but you are as well. So I think if you are in something toxic or coming out of something toxic, recover, heal from that, um, get away, do what you need to do. I found a program that I really liked. I have a therapist, a therapist I really like. So I was able to kind of get what I needed. And I think it would be amazing if you're getting out of something and you need to heal that you do as well. Anyway, so that is my show for today. Thank you for listening and um, tell all your friends about it. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode of Let's Get Wicked Deep, a dating podcast. To find out more information about anything you heard on today's show, please check out BeBraveCoaching.org. 